0: Hello and welcome to Co-OpCast. This week, Steve and Elijah will catch up on some reviews and get you all the co-op news. Welcome to co cast. My name is Steve and in this week's episode, we're going to cover a little bit of news and then review Pandemic Fall of Rome. To help me with this, I have a special guest, Jason from Every Night is Game Night.
1: Yo, my peoples, what's up?
0: Hey, Jason, you're back again
1: i'm back again you guys get well although uh, okay so i did sign up to be co official pandemic correspondent so no matter what i've done elsewise if pandemic is getting covered then i have to drop whatever i'm doing and get some plays and come on co so that that is in my contract now so thank you guys <laughs> for setting that up
0: had to have you come back on the show for that one for sure so glad always <laughs> happy to have, have you
1: Thanks a lot, Steve. I really appreciate it. Cool.
0: So, uh, yeah, we'll cover that a little bit later in the po- podcast. But I think first, let's cover a little bit of news. There hasn't been a whole lot of news out, but a few games What are you talking up. about? Really? Big
1: news. Well, I, see the, I see the one little bullet, bullet point at the end. That we, we should talk about that a little bit. Yes. But go ahead. Go, 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 go,
0: That's the elephant in the room that I talking <laughs> about, right? <laughs> so let's start with a little news first, or smaller news, I I let's just say little. So smaller. Um, on Kickstarter, there's a game called Animaru. So this was brought to your attention from one of our Slack members because he went to a con and pulls about this. This is kind of cool. Um, It's called, yeah, Animaru. It's a fully co-op, uh, When you say, ancient Japan type game. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Reckoners, at least it seems that way, with dice and resolution. But you kind of build your own characters, to try and tank down these big um, Anis, uh, demons. Have mm-hmm. you looked at this at all, Jason?
1: Oh, yeah. I I did the little BGG contest hoping to get myself a free copy. I've never won those things. Have you won one of those? Oh,
0: never. I do them all the time. I think it's pretty hopeless, but I still do them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I studied. I, stu- I I never studied, but this one I studied for just because it's co-op and it looks cool. I don't... I don't eh, like it says, solo playthrough coming soon. Like, you're a fully co-op thing and you don't have integrated solo. I don't know about that. You know? Uh, and I don't know. It just... Mm. I'm on the fence with these things. Like would I like if this was like a like a regular WizKids game or if this was a like a Panasaurus game like re- released to retail, would I be as interested? I don't know, but it's Kickstarter and it's mysterious and it looks cool. So I don't know if I'm kind of it's style over substance. I'm just gonna hold off a little bit. But you know, I'll I'll keep an eye on it. It looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean the artwork looks cool. I I did like Reckoners, and this seems like it might be a little bit more my style with the mechanics a little bit. Not that saying Reckoners is bad or anything. Um but yeah, this looks pretty cool. I I hadn't back it yet, but
1: not the hugest fan of Recognize, I gotta tell you. Uh, I I got I only got one play. It was very dicey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. True <laughs> statement. It is dice dicey. resolution. Well, yeah. well very dice swingy. Mm-hmm. like I, I felt like you know you, you do a bunch of stuff and it sounds great but then the enemy turn takes like three minutes and then like everything you've done has been undone and you gotta do it again and it was just it was a little bit the pendulum was a little the swings were a little wide in that like in terms of like a game experience i didn't love it i you know you say this is like the wreck or like it looks like reckoners i'm like oh really <laughs> there's a lot of dice in this one though i so i don't know
0: yeah, I'm not sure all the difference in how it plays. It just with the boards and the dice and how you level up your characters. It just reminded me of it. So but I I there were some comments on that. It is uh its it has got some differences to it too, so I wouldn't necessarily um toss this out the out of the window if you don't like Reckoners. But
1: yeah, yeah. Seems kinda of interesting. Yeah. So I'll take I'll take a look when it comes out.
0: So there's Animaru. It's currently funded and it will end January twenty-eighth. So the next thing we talk about is also currently on Kickstarter. It's called AV Ghost. Paranormal Investigation. So this is kind of an interesting game. Uh, it is, you're playing as Paranormal Investigators, some equipment trying to discover the paranormal activity in the house and solve the mystery, essentially. And the interesting thing about this game is you're supposed to play it in the dark. And I mean, you don't have to, I don't think. But mm-hmm. I, all these little uh, miniatures have lights on the bottom of them. And you have to, and you play with an app too. So you can choose to put equipment in different spots of the uh, house. And you tell the app where you put the equipment, and the app will play, you know, mysterious sounds or or noises or whatever, depending on where you put them in the house, and it will, will send you different uh, information to solve the mystery. And I think this is one of those games where, once you solve the mystery, I don't think you can replay it, at least from my understanding. I would look a little bit closer, but really cool theme and some cool concepts.
1: Uh, okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll another one to check out. All right, I I'll, 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 I I did not know about this, so I I think I'll just let this one pass by. But yeah. Take a look. We'll take a look when it comes.
0: Yeah, it is expensive to jump in on this one for sure. I, I mean, 100 bucks for something that I think is not that replayable. I think once you solve the mysteries, it's done. But, right. I mean, cool concept. I do appreciate the different theme, which mm-hmm. is nice. It's cool. refreshing. So that was AV Ghost Paranoid Investigation. It's currently funded and will end January 28th. Okay, and then that is going to end the Kickstarter news. We have one more game to talk about. And this one, it eh, might be a little bit of a big one. Something that I don't think anyone saw coming. At least I didn't. I had no idea this was coming.
1: Oh, Fantasy Flight, they're always uh, rabbit-punching you in the kidneys with these with these games over there. <laughs> you like, know, what? <laughs> Fallout? What? What's going on? x
0: <laughs> And so that game we're talking about is The Lord of the Rings Journey in Middle-Earth. So this is... uh large one to five player uh adventure game essentially where you'll be playing as the lord of the rings heroes and some of the other heroes from the lcg like they pulled from as well and traveling around middle earth using an app to help you supplement the play and essentially level up your character and go on adventures so i don't know how else, much to say about that you have a skill deck so you'll be creating or customizing characters as you go along and items you equip and stuff like that so they only have the announcement article now. We don't have a whole lot of other news yet, but I'm sure we'll all be looking forward to this one.
1: I <laughs> Don't be so sure. <laughs>
0: you not, not so excited about this one?
1: <laughs> I, okay, so just the Fantasy Flight model for these things. I, I mean, of course, Lord of the Rings, man. I'm a big, huge fan, like a lot like a lot of us in the call, um, or in the co-op-verse. But, okay, so $100, another $100 game. I'm getting a little sick of these. I don't have oh, enough money agreed. for all these Like, I'm looking at $100 games just, like, laying on my table. Like, I'm looking at Cerebia, $100, you know, um, just just a whole bunch. And, yeah, I get it. Lord of the Rings, you know, there's going to be a very specific audience that's going to go for this. Uh, You know, maybe they pass everything over and they buy this one. So, I get that. So, and then number two, Fantasy Flight, they, I just don't trust that the base box is going to have enough game. Feel what I'm saying? You know? like they. They, they they do the MVP really well. And MVP is not most viable player. It is minimum viable product. And, yeah. you know, the, the least they can get into that board, and especially with the app integration. So, like, they might just have a couple missions, maybe four or five, which might sound like a lot. But you burn through them pretty fast. And is there enough there to keep going? Like, I remember when uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault came out and then the app came out. And, you know, they only had like the one stuff for the base game and you chew through it really fast. And it's like, all right, where's the more stuff? Only with Star Superior Assault, it had already come out. So they're just waiting for the app to, to update here. You're not, you're going to be waiting and then they're going to release more stuff and more stuff. And then of course they sell dice separately. I, I, you know, yes, I'm complaining, but I got to call it out. I mean, let's, I'm tired of this. I mean, let's get like, I, in gaming, it feels like, more is more it used to be less is more now it feels like more is more and i just i just need to call it out man i'm I'm getting a little bit full at the buffet table if you know what i mean
0: oh sure i guess with that said would you be willing to spend like 20 more bucks to get more game in that
1: i mean no i, <laughs> <laughs> I you know i i don't know like okay I don't know what the production is going to be. Like, you know, they they show the board, and the board seems like this kind of big interlocking thing. And, you know, they, they use the minis... Um, so this is, I don't know if this is going to be another one of these kind of minis things where they like, you know, like, cause what Descent did was they released, they would release minis packs and it didn't even have much content to it. It was like, oh, here's general so-and-so. And right. so that was a whole thing. And is this going to be like this too, where, you know, in order to get extra content, you're going to have to buy the mini for, you know, Trog, this, that, and the other thing. And it just, it just gets to be a lot, you know, and there's, and Fantasy Flight, yes, that's their model. You know, people are still paying for Arkham Horror LCG and I don't... Uh, i'll i will try it i will try it <laughs> and if it's amazing then i will sink the money into it but i'm kind of skeptical yeah, and this is coming on the, the heels of a lot of like other big announcements terraforming mars legacy i know this is co-op but terraforming mars is you know big huge game legacy came out oh baby okay what does that mean Terraform my legacy another big game <laughs> i don't know man i i feel like get off my lawn <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Back in my day <laughs> You used to be able to go and buy games. Fifty dollars, get you five games.
0: <laughs> I hear you I I I feeling it too. I mean I feel like it used to be that every game was like around fifty bucks, not so bad, but now lately it's it's always higher than that and you're seeing a lot more hundred dollar games nowadays. So yeah. it's um it's a factor for sure. So yeah,
1: I, I I am skeptical. I will play it. If it's worth it, then I will beat I will totally e crow on that. I was okay and I also was really really disappointed in Fallout like I really wanted Fallout Mm. to be good it was not good and I don't think they're really supporting it because it has wasn't well received they'll probably do better by this IP than by the Fallout IP but I'm not I'm just because it's just because it's Lord of the Rings I don't know if it's automatically gonna be good the skeptical wires are up agreed yep that's fair
0: yep. Yeah, I always like adventure games, especially games that have non-combat options in it. When I when I read that in here, and Lord of the Rings is like icing the cake for a nice theme, I'm definitely excited. But I agree. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of information out here yet, so we kind of have to wait and see. But for what I'm seeing now, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm not one who shies away from apps and games. I know a lot of people, or not necessarily a lot of people, some people aren't really into combining the two, but I'm a big fan of that. I think it really adds to the design scope of games.
1: I think they've gotten better. I think, you know, um, I, I saw a, a thread recently, like, you know, like, you know, so the first Martians app was not good. And, you know, a couple of the earlier apps, so kind of like, like flopped, like XCOM was the very first one and XCOM was like this bare bones thing. It didn't really add too much, but it's like, like Chronicles of Crime was a- excellent. It was really, really good. The Fantasy Flight, they seem to be getting better and better with it. So I, you know, I was, I was kind of like skeptical, but I think I'm coming around to at least some games having the app and 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 as opposed to descent it's going to be like kind of from the ground up designed with the app as opposed to like replacing the dm so i'm hoping it's a little bit smoother on the table
0: agreed yep so that was lord of the rings journey in middle earth so now let's transition over to our review and that's gonna be pandemic fall of rome so what is pandemic fall of rome it is using the same pandemic engine if you're familiar with the original game uh, but it's based in the, I believe, the 3rd to 5th century where you're playing as a Roman Empire that is on the end of its reign. And the barbarians are obviously invading the uh, uh, the empire. So you're trying to stop the invasion and trying to get them to join your side. So what it is, it's a 1-5 to five player game. And they have five different barbarians in the game. You have Ostrogoths, Visigoths, Huns, Vandals, and then you have Anglo-Saxons and Franks. So each of these barbarians' tribes are going to enter from a different area of the map and kind of spread out through the map. And generally, they're going to be marching towards Rome and one other point of interest. And so how do you win the game? You win the game by, with each tribe if you can forge an alliance with it or have no barbarians of that tribe on the board. And so if that's true for all five of those tribes, you win the game. You lose the game if you run out of barbarians of any one tribe if a player cannot draw cards from the player deck, I mean, essentially, you run out of time. Um, if the decline marker reaches the last base of the decline track, which is supposed to symbolize the corruption taking hold, or if Rome itself is sacked, like it's taken over. If you're familiar with Pandemic, it has the same turn structure. Well, you do four actions, draw two player cards, and then invade cities. In invade cities, you flip over cards from a barbarian deck and follow the barbarian placement. So, that's a real brief summary of how. How the game's kind of played. We'll get into more details, I'm sure, in our review. Mm-hmm. But let's just jump into it. So the review we'll be doing is called 5 and 5. If you first time listening, basically what we're doing is we a list of five things we think are most important to know about this game, starting from our least important work away to the most important, and calling out their pro-con or mixer or whatnot. So let's start with Jason. What's your number five thing you need to know about this game?
1: All right. So my number five thing to note about Pandemic Fall of Rome is a negative. Uh this game comes with a straight up solo mode and I found it a little bit underwhelming. So you know pandemic is a staple among solo players. It's fully co-op and you know, especially even when you're multiplayer, you're probably soloing because you're offering the heck out of it if you're the best player. Um, so they just like you can play it solo and it's very, very fun solo. And they tried this with the base pandemic in the in the lab expansion of doing like a player. Like it's just a separate mode. And But the problem is, okay, so you have your hand of cards, like normal, but then you have this kind of other set aside, like, you know, external hand, and you can go to the different spots on the board, and you can kind of trade among the cards. So, like, that's, like, action, so you can, like, say, um, oh, I noticed that the hand over there has, like, a Brundesome or some whatever, so I'm going to go to Brundesome, and I'm going to go fetch that card, and... I guess it creates a, a puzzle of sorts. Like you have to kind of puzzle out where to go and when to get there. I just don't like the hand management. Like hand management is not the, not my favorite part of it. Pandemic at all. It's in every single game. It's part of what makes the whole engine tick. But it is not the most fun part. It, 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 it that that's all that the solo mode offers. So, I I'm here for the board, I'm here for the action on the board, I'm here for like the attention and everything. I'm not here for cards that are just <laughs> Uh so I don't know if you had a chance or if you wanted to explore the solo mode, but I for me, it felt like a pass. If you do, if you are more attracted to like, you know, how do I optimize my hand management, part of Pandemic, take a look, but for me, I just I thought I was a skip.
0: Sure. Yeah, I can well, I agree with that a little bit. I guess I'm a little more I don't know, neutral on that point where I tried it out, and it was different from, you know, just playing the normal way with just how many characters you want to play, which works fine, honestly. And I guess when I played this new solo variant, or mode they suggest, it worked. I didn't have any problems with it, but it didn't do anything different for me that really made it better or worse than just playing more characters. I don't mind the hand management. I agree it's not my most favorite thing of it, but it also smoothed out other things, so it was kind of like a wash. I don't know. It's fine. Take it or leave it for me, but... Yep.
1: Completely take it or leave it. That's uh, yeah, it's it's a pass. You know, if it, it's it's an extra page in a rule book, whatever. So that's a negative.
0: Good. I like it. So my number five is also a con, and I think just being pandemic, it has to be stated. And if you're familiar with the core pandemic, it's also had the problem, that's the l gamer problem. I think you already mentioned it already in our mm-hmm. your first point. And this game does absolutely nothing to remedy that. And so if you're not familiar with L4 Gamer problem, what that means is it has a tendency for one player to dominate the play where they can either uh, basically play as everyone else at the table. Like, okay, we have to do A, B, C, or D, and everyone has to agree, otherwise we're going to lose. And that just becomes no fun for anyone at the table. Admittedly, I don't think I've really encountered this with my playgroups I play with, which is is good. Um, I tend to... In fact, actually, Mike called me out on it when we were playing the game when he visited. (laughs) (laughs) He's like... Oh, what should we do here? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? It's like, stop it, Steve. Just tell me how to win. I don't want to do your non-Alpha Gamer-ish <laughs> stuff. <so." laughs> Which is pretty funny. But anyway, it's still there. You have to be cautious of it. So if you do have an Alpha game in your group, may look at other games.
1: So it's an interesting thing. Matt Leacock does not believe that Alpha Player is a game problem. He sees it as a complete player problem. Like, you know, you just resolve it in the group and go on about your life. So his games, especially in the pandemic, I do not anticipate that he's ever going to address that issue. So I kind of agree in the sense that like competitive games have their own problems, but we've been playing them for so long that they're kind of smoothed out. You know, like I've made this point before, but like Kingmaker is a problem in competitive games where if you're if you're completely out of the game, you just give your resources to somebody else or give the game to somebody else and they win. And that's frowned upon and people, you know, go back and forth and do whatever. Soar losing is a problem. And there's a whole bunch of problems with it, competitive games. But we don't say, oh, that's a game problem. We say that's a player problem. Yet cooperative games are kind of new. And the alpha alpha was kind of baked in in the beginning, but it's it's still you know, pandemic's 2008. You know, we're talking like a 10 year old game. And so, why should we regard alpha player as a game problem? Why does the game need to go through all this stuff? Because what happens is when you design around it, you end up adding these extra elements that may not need to be there. You know, so like hidden movement or timer. You know, like I like uh, there's a so there's a couple of games that add a timer. I think of vs. Minions to to defeat Alpha Gamer but really come on I don't you know like you just ignore the timer and there you go just agree not to Alpha Game so I'm I'm a little I I I get what you're saying but I'm also a little bit sensitive to what Matt Leacock wants to wants to say it's like okay you know what just learn to play guys <laughs>
0: I agree I don't really run into a whole lot with people I play with like I said I'm kind of cognizant of not making sure people make their own decisions um but I do think there's some way things you could do in the game to help make that more, make it less of a factor, I want to say. And I guess that's what I'm leaning on here, where there, there's some more modern things you could do. And you have a point, I agree. Sometimes those mechanics do just add more to the game that don't really do a whole lot. Like your example of Mechs means is a perfect example. Remove the timer and yeah, you, you're back to square one. It's not a huge deal. So yeah, but yep, good point.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I get your point about Alpha Gamer, but and we could probably, I don't i don't think the, how could co-op cast go 60-something episodes and not directly address Alpha Gamer? Did I miss that? I don't think we've uh, talked about on in depth. Come on! It's <laughs> <laughs> the reason why people don't play co-op. You guys have gone 60 episodes? Come on! <laughs> God, that's gotta be, that's gotta come up sometime soon.
0: We mentioned it, so there you go. <laughs> we'll talk about
1: it soon, I guess, so... <laughs> Okay, uh, Jason, what's your number four? All right, so number four is generally a positive, and it's graphic design and art presentation. So, this game is the, the preceding game in the line. So, you know, I think people know this, every pandemic comes out in tandem with the pandemic world championships or whatever they call it, and it's Matt Leacock working with a local designer for wherever it is, and... Uh, so the, the two years ago, it was in Spain, so pandemic Iberia. Last year, it was in the Netherlands. So you got pandemic Rising Tide here. It's uh, of this is as uh, fall of Rome. So then Rising Tide. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I I like it. I like it way more than a lot of other folks do. But what I think a big part of what sunk Rising Tide was the graphic design of the board. So in back, in Rising Tide it depended a lot on the flow of cubes. Like cubes had to move, and just like in here the cubes move, and I'll get to that in a second, or in another point, but in order for that to work, you need to, that needs to be really super hyper clear, where the cubes go, where they're supposed to be, what they react to, etc. In Rising Tide, they moved between zones, and the dotted lines were very kind of squiggly and distinct, and it was like, okay, what's linked here, what's linked there, and that, and because the movement of the cubes was so core to the experience, you literally like, were like, squinting at the board every single time you have to move a cube which was every turn and so that did not create happiness for people you know um and i think that's part of what uh, what what there was a struggle with here the cubes move but they 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 restore like the point-to-point movement and they they didn't do like a photorealistic map like they did with rising tide also which also created the unclarity here it's kind of cartooned and abstracted so it isn't beautiful but it's functional and for this kind of game, I will absolutely take functional over beautiful by like 10 times out of 10 to make it work and have the mechanisms kind of bring things out. And I think that this game kind of achieved that. And I was I was really happy with that. Um, and, you know, just like in terms of art, the cards are cool. You had the Latin, you know, kind of sayings, and everything carpet, diem, blah, blah, blah. Uh, just I, I just thought the whole thing kind of worked to, you know, not to immerse you in the theme, but at least bring like let the mechanics kind of shine and that's what's going to pull you in
0: yeah that was actually my number six um to some extent i do have a specific point i'll talk about later but yeah i think the board while i agree completely it's not beautiful in any stretch of the means but it is very functional and it is makes it pretty easy to play in that regard so with one caveat to talk about later so
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) my number four is the barbarian deck one thing in the original Pandemic that kind of bothered me was how that Infection deck ran. So if you were unfortunate, unfortunate enough to draw an Epidemic card early on, we had very few cards in the Infection deck. That would cause the game, in my opinion, to become much more challenging up the get-go because you had less time to respond to where those Disaster Zones happened. Well, in this game, you actually start with cards in the discard pile, and the cards you put on top of the uh, the invader deck, or barbarian deck as I say, um, is the same when you start the game. And so it's set up so such a way so that it makes the max sense where, yes, they're going to be coming from the starting zones, and the cards in discard pile are set up so such that they will actually march towards Rome. So I had to do that from a mechanical standpoint, but from a luck standpoint, if I happen to draw one of these revolt cards, which is the cards that will shuffle everything and put it back on top of the deck, now that that disco pal is thicker, I don't have that issue where it'd be a hell of a swing games um due to uh one of those cards come up sooner or later. So that was one thing I really liked about that. Not to mention it, it worked pretty well thematically. So Yeah. That was mine, the Barbarian deck.
1: I, I mean I I get what you're saying, like I liked how the I, I like the troop movement, so to speak, uh where they start at the zones and the, the first cubes are like predetermined, you not know, just like randomly uh so yeah i will have more to say about that later um but uh although i i disagree that the whole like you know pull an epidemic and then things kind of going to heck really fast is a big problem because yeah okay you can really get hammered if you get like you know you pull bombay and then you get instant epidemic then bombay again you know you get that's a little problematic yeah i get that however like if you once you clear that Let's say that you were in a good position. You have the operations expert. He was able to get a, 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 a one of those uh, what God, <laughs> what are those things called? The house. Get a uh, house. research stations. A research stations. Get a little. I'm just gonna call house. Uh, so you get a little <laughs> house going and in, in, you know near there, and you can just wipe it out. You had the, all of that time afterwards to just kind of like clean up the board and you know do your thing because you're clear. You know, so all you had to do was kind of get over that little hump, and sometimes you didn't. But a lot of times you did. So and so that and it just creates a little bit of a different rhythm of the game. So I didn't really consider that that huge problem. So, I mean, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I just didn't feel like I, that happened often enough to be like, OK, this is a thing that needs to be accounted for.
0: Yeah. And that's why I still kept my collection um, because it wasn't a huge deal. But this game, I think, uh, removed any, any issue I ever had with that because it just felt more consistent. So, but yep, mm-hmm. that's my number four, the Barbarian deck.
1: All right. So what's your number three? Okay, so number three, um, I think it's – I'm generally going to land on the positive end with this, but I, it may go towards next. I'm not really sure. Um, the dice. So in order to remove or slay a barbarian, or so to speak, you have to bring your little troops uh, with you, and you have to roll dice. Uh, so I know why they did it. They wanted this game to be more of like a war game than other pandemics as much as pandemic could be a war game right uh but at least in that little way like you know you're moving your troops and you you know and nothing says war game like rolling dice and i'm gonna i'm gonna be on the side of you have to have some kind of randomizer in a war game because that's war right like that that's kind of the central lesson that like we a lot of these wars you know that it's tactics but a lot of it's just (laughs) luck you know and a lot of it's just how your troops respond so the dice simulate that so you have to have them but in Pandemic, you have to be able to kind of... Like, that action economy depends on you being, you know, one action, remove one cube. So, how do you balance the two? They develop these dice where, for the most part, they remove a cube, but sometimes they remove your enemy. Or they remove your troop and no cube. Sometimes they remove two cubes and one of your troops. So, it balances out to the same thing, but it adds that excitement, so to speak, or the fog of war of, you know, dice resolution. So... I think as a design thing, they it was really cool. And there's some really good tension there. And they navigated that kind of, um, those two areas pretty good, like between Wargame and Pandemic. Um, you know, it, but then you end up with like, you know, I guess I'm just, I'm not used to going to a place and failing. So if I, because so you, you can roll like complete crap <laughs> and that can sink your game. I mean, it's, the chances are low, but it's, it's it could happen. So I don't know if I love that in my pandemic, but, you know, I, it, it's, a, it's a feel thing. Uh, so and I have to distinguish that from the design goal that they achieved was to try to introduce that randomness while keeping to the pandemic like action economy. And I think at the end of the day, it's a design thing. They succeeded.
0: Yeah, I didn't have this on my list, but I considered it. And I actually do like the dice in this game. I like it because they it, I agree completely with what you're saying that if you're going to have a war-type game, war theme game, have that dice for that uncertainty of combat. I think that's a nice thing to have. And plus, dice is really quick to resolve. You don't have some big complicated combat thing that you have to worry about that breaks you from the game. Figure out what combat is, make a decision, move on. And I was a little worried for, about it when I heard about it at first because you can do dice pretty badly. Right. Um, and I think in this game, I think they did a, did a fine job with it because for most of the characters, there's really only a one in six chance that it's going to be a complete flop. There's a few characters that will actually be worse than that. Kind kind of balance them out. Some of them aren't really combat-focused. Right. But I like I how they did that. I, it was, made it so that it wasn't certain, but it was very likely to happen. And with the action economy, how you can get more troops, your legions, it added an interesting push your luck or strategy on how many guys you want to send into battle because you can roll up to three dice. But if you need to remove like one cube, if you roll all three dice, you may wind up removing more legions than there are um, barbarians right. on the board. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, um, it's like you have a
1: squad of three guys coming up to this little little, little barbarian, and he guns them all down. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, and dice in there actually another decision point. Like, well, how many dice do I really, really need to roll to to clear this area? So it's cool. I liked it. It wasn't it wasn't done in, um, with too much luck involved.
1: Yeah, I think they did the best they could given the pandemic, like you have to have, you know, on average, you have to be able to remove a cube in action if you if you spend it that way. And they, they managed to sneak the way around it. I guess just as an experiential thing, being a veteran of pandemic, expecting a certain thing, having those times where you weren't able to, you know, do the cleansing that you needed to do was just felt very kind of crippling. But it's not normal pandemic. I got to beat that out of my head. So that's kind of a just experiential thing.
0: So my number three is a con. And so this is getting back to what I mentioned earlier, how I kind of like what they did with the, the board. It's not beautiful, but it's functional with one caveat. And this is that caveat. And that's when determining the path for placing the barbarians. And so what that means is when you flip over the barbarian deck and looking for um, where to place them, these cards actually have a migration path, was what it's called. So if you're, not, if you're familiar with regular pandemic, you'll flip over a card in, in that deck and you'll place all those cubes in that city. That's not true in this game. What you do instead is you'll want to put the barbarians in that city, but you'll only put barbarians in that city if there's barbarians already in that city or if there's barbarians in the previous city on this path, migration path. And if, there's, if that th- doesn't hold true, you work way backwards along, along the migration path until that becomes true. So effectively, it winds up being that the barbarians start from one area in on the board. They actually slowly march towards uh, Rome, which is really cool. It works well, but my issue is is there's actually two paths for every barbarian on um, barbarian tribe. So that's cool. One one path goes to Rome, and one path goes to another location, which is actually has some historical significance. So cool job there. But what I struggle with is when I pull these cards, it actually has the migration path on the card. And sometimes it's hard for me to dis- distinguish. It's not a huge deal. That's why it's only number three. But like where exactly is that path? Because it does branch at some point or fork at some point. So uh, I kind of wish they would have done something slightly different, at least on the board, to distinguish which path is the quote unquote roam path and which one isn't. Um, but yeah, that's my number con. Just just. takes. It's just, I wish they could have done something a little better for that user experience. Mm-hmm
1: it's a lot better than rising tide just say I'll say that right now <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right so i will move on to my number 2 my number 2 is a positive my uh i like the characters uh a pandemic always has roles and you know you can kind of predict you know what roles they're going to be there's going to be one guy that's focused on movement there's going to be one guy that can trade cards that's all you know that's that's solid you know it does whatever it does uh I like the integration of the character power with the die so every character has like this special like eagle thing and if you roll an eagle it does something a little bit different and it just gives the the game a little bit more you know interest um you know certain you want certain uh like you were saying before not every not every pawn is combat focused so you probably don't want to send them in with a bunch of troops (laughs) you know like i I played with the uh i think it was the guy that was on the sea and that was a mistake playing two player or playing with two pawns because i would frequently have to go in the interior and his special was useless like it was like you know um, if he's on a port city and i would often not be on a port city with him it's like, oh, OK, I need to rejigger my thoughts a little bit here and, you know, think a little bit more about character combos. So and and that was that's that's really, really fun. Like, it sounds like such a small thing, but I just found, you know, exploring the different characters, getting like, ooh, I got the little my little triggered, my little special. Uh, I just thought that was really well done. Um, you know, some of them have like little, you know, you build the forts and you you, you summon more troops and everything. Just, you know, super cool. Uh, I guess attached to that is just the the troops themselves, so like the kind of little sub characters. I like how they're integrated as well. How you can kind of like summon a whole bunch at the beginning. <laughs> you can just like fill the board with every single troop if you really want to, and then by the end you're like, oh my god, where are the troops? <laughs> I don't have enough troops left. Oh my god. So true. So, <laughs> so it, just just well done all around. I I really really enjoyed that part of the game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on this one. The the characters are re- really well done. I was surprised to find out that. Like you said, we said earlier, some of the characters are not combat focused. So like this one, Vestalis, um, and she is good for like manipulating the uh, the uh, the player deck and actually uh, the grabbing. Deck. Yeah, the event deck. Yeah. Oh, well, no, she can actually look at the top player cards to actually choose which one she draws, kind of oh, organize okay. it slightly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you no, know, the event deck's really big, which is awesome. So she can actually draw unused events from outside the game, which is pretty cool. But on the flip side. She has her special ability when she's in combat, removes your legions from the board, which is not what you want at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have to really pay attention to that. Like, you know, in regular pandemic, obviously, there were better people that were better at sweeping. Uh, You know, so the medic, you don't want them like curing cards, you want them sweeping cubes. But in this one, it's like it it takes it to a little bit of a next level where you have to really pay attention and, and. you know, make sure the combat people are out there doing the combat stuff, and uh, and sometimes their power is good enough for like, like, like I, I like playing with the yellow guy, whatever he was called, where he would like summon uh more legions if he was getting things. So just like, just he never had to go back home. He just like more legions, more legions, more. Leg-. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I had a, I got a real kick out of it. It's it just that's what that to me that's what pandemic is all about. The 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 interactions between characters. It's so good here. So I I really I really like that.
0: Uh, what do you think of the character balance? I'm curious of that.
1: Um, I I mean, I didn't, I don't, I I've won with all the characters, and I've won with different combinations of characters. So I'm not, yeah, I I don't really like. To me, I don't, th- I never think of a character as like particularly nerfed or anything like that. As long as I can win with them, I'm fine. Uh, I don't, I didn't think that any of them like shined. I, I have my preferences, but I don't, I I, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I had a similar thoughts when I first played it. I thought there were some characters that just seemed better than others. But the more I played it, I felt like they were actually pretty balanced, honestly. Um, like you said, some of them are more my play style. Uh, and yes. I would rather pick those. But I, like you said, I don't think there's any of them that I couldn't win with. There's one that um, the Regina Fodor- Fodorata. And has a special ability where it doesn't kick in until you have an alliance with a tribe. Yes. And so that one's kind of a... a harder to use but it's a really powerful ability once you get that alliance form so i was kind of torn on him a little bit but honestly I, i'm fine with them. i think they're pretty well balanced so my number two is a pro and that's the variance in the barbarian tribes what i mean by that is it's not like regular pandemic we have the same diseases this one you actually have five different tribes and they try to make them act differently and they act differently in a couple different ways where you have different uh barbarian counts in each of those and you also have different paths that'll move towards uh, Rome. Some of them are very quick to go to Rome, some are very long to go to, get to Rome, and they all have different paths that go to different de- destinations. So they might not even always head to Rome. They might head off in the corner and just kind of cause lots of sacking in that area. So you might have to go out of your way to go take care of that. Um, but the cool thing is, like, there's different different uh, counts for the barbarian Cubes, and in the player deck, there's a different count of the player cards. You have to be careful of that, but the nice thing is, is the player cards actually have a number on each of them telling you how many of those color cards are in the deck, so it can really help make your decisions for that. But yeah, I really like that different paths, different counts. It give it a little different feel. I really appreciate that.
1: The one thing to watch out for, I did this was like my number six, and it's kind of a mix as well. It, it's harder to get your set because it's five colors as opposed to four, and, but they did not change your hand size. So you know you still out, you need five cards for two of the tribes and four for two of them, uh. So that you know I'm glad that you had different hand sizes for that, but like it I found that more often you get like that rainbow hand of like oh my god I'm, I'm working on nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you work that's that's um that's the good the all like one of the pandemic questions you ask you people what are you working on over there and literally you're like uh nothing
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the yep. it,
1: and it, you're more likely to just get not get out the cars that you need and that could be just a loss in and of itself so i i mean the game is going to tell you okay if that's happening then try to focus on you know destruction. You know, like just destroy the cubes. It, 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 that doesn't come apparent, like you know, that I can't cure anything or form alliances until a little bit late in the game. By the you know, like a couple of um, the troops have a couple of the tribes have broken, contained, and they're headed towards Rome. It's like okay, well, that's not happening. I we haven't gotten dealt anything. We can't get in position for trade. Uh, gonna try to clean this off now. Oh no! (laughs) So it's it could be a little bit of a frustrating experience. So it's something it's something I had to kind of master in order to get good at the game, of you know, deciding when a like collecting a set is impossible because of the way the cards are being dealt out because of the position of my characters, and I'm just gonna have to go to clean the board out now. So that's something to get used to. It's definitely like it, de- and it's definitely part of like I- I'm not going to recommend this as you know the first pandemic game to show people. I would recommend Iberia, not quite this because of little stuff like that.
0: So, uh, we're on to our number one, and I'm wondering if our number ones align because there's something I don't think either of those have really talked in depth about.
1: Uh, so true, troop- number one, uh, cube movement.
0: Yes, that's mine as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's
1: it is it's why we're here. Like I mean, <laughs> and that's a pro, is correct? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm 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 big on this game. Like I do like this game because of the troop movement. Uh, so you know it's a war game, and we mentioned the dice. You have to have dice in a war game. You have to have interesting dynamic movement of your troops. Like yeah, like it's weird to say. But when you're playing a game like this, your good time is dependent on what the game is doing. So in regular pandemic, like the the diseases kind of pop up and they're senseless, you know, and that's it creates tension and everything. But you're really focused on, like, you know, maintaining your uh, hand and, you know, what you're doing with the geometry of the board, blah, blah, blah. That's where the fun of it is. Here, they injected a lot of personality into how the barbarian tribes move. And and so like you know they creep towards Rome like Steve was describing before how like if a city pops up you have to like kind of trace it back and it and the the cube goes there but when you get an epidemic or whatever it is a revolt then that doesn't depend on that like so the revolt can literally happen everywhere like it can happen like right one step above you know beyond Rome even if it's not connected with any troops so it's like you know I think the the lore explains it as okay there's a revolt in the town next to you like they've been sending in like shadow agents into the town all of a sudden they're erupting and like it's that's so cool like because it it makes you it, it retains that spontaneity but you still have that kind of looming growing threat and not only does not only is it the the cue part is cool your reaction to it is i like the way they did that as well so i mentioned before you have to kind of clean out one color in order to say you've done it and you don't have the alliance with it you like you can, it's possible to kind of build a fort right at the right at the foot of one of the um the, the staging areas, right? Like you you build a fort right there, and you know, it, that's depends on your, your draw and whatever you might not get the card you need, but a lot of times you'll get a draw for one of those cities, right? Uh, so you put your fort right there and you just like mass troops, <laughs> you can put like 15 troops on that fort, and then the, you know, as cubes are going into it, it'll eliminate one cube, one. Legion one, Legion one, Legion. It really feels like you know you're down to like three, two, one. Oh my god, they're gonna break through! And when and when your last Legion dies, they start to like pour through. (laughs) I, I, it's pandemic, and it shouldn't be this way because it's pandemic is famously without theme. But this one just, I, I just loved it. I loved how they were able to replicate the troop movement and the bottling and the diversionary tactics and. I, it was, and you know, it's not like a war game is going to sit there and like, you know, admire this. It's still pandemic at the end of the day, but I love how they are able to kind of take the basic mechanisms and give me that experience. I thought Rising Tide was also one of my favorites because of the cubes the were dynamic and they made sense as opposed to just being random. This one's right in there. I was really happy with it. That's ultimately at the end of the day what sold me and what I, why I need to have this in my collection.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. That was a really big surprise. I read read that in the uh, preview articles that they're going to have this march towards Rome. i was curious how that's going to work in reality, and I was really, really happy with how that worked. And uh, when I sat down and played my first game, I was a little worried halfway through the game because what I did is I set up a bottleneck in the beginning. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll just stop them here, and they won't come out. And I'm like, oh, well, this is going to become kind of boring because they can't go anywhere. And then revolt happened, and they popped out you know, close to Rome like, oh, wait a second. I can't actually control this bottleneck. Well, you can have a good amount of strategy around it, but you don't have complete control. And I really love that. It really right. forced you to, to respond to different threats around the board. Right. Um. But it also opens up new strategies where you can do some really cool stuff. Like if you have a legion in a spot, oftentimes that legion will prevent a cube from being placed. So you can do some really cool stuff. Or if you leave a legion by itself with no uh, pawn with it or no fort with it, um, any time a, a barbarian enter that spot, all the legions get removed. They get ambushed and get removed. So you can say, you know what, I, I'm i going to leave one guy here just because I really don't want another cube added there. And it will do that because you know that that hit spot's going to get hit in the future due to the uh, migration path. And then if you have a fort in there, you can even do more um, combat. And you can actually set up these almost autonomous areas that will block and do combat for you with your pawn in another area, which is really awesome. I really added this to the the ability to add these strategic pinch points around the board um really sold this game for me
1: yeah i mean pandemic to me like i still love i still play basic pandemic you know i still love it i'll still play with new players but i've grown to i need like interesting i need the cubes to do stuff and I need it makes sense like iberia had this variant where it was like the hospitals variant so like the cubes move towards these specific cities and and you know it's like representing refugees going towards where they can get medical treatment. So you know so you had to protect those cities and whatever. So like that that's my favorite way to play Iberia actually, not the regular one. And then Rising Tide, which again I know is not that popular, but I love it because the cube makes sense. I can see the water flow. I, I'm a big fit. Anytime a, a game does that, and if it's a euro game, I especially appreciate that. Like uh, which I just played um, Teotihuacan with the 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 dice that move around the area and there's a bunch of other like you know another games that kind of incorporate spatial movement flow you know it's not just like a bunch of mechanisms this game does that and again you know you're if you're a war gamer like a pure war gamer you're gonna be like okay but as a pandemic fan who would like to dip his toe in that area well oh yes (laughs) give me more (laughs) i agree yep I love it. Is this a perfect game? Is this a game that you know this like you, it, this has to be the pandemic you know edition that you watched? It. Absolutely not. You know, like I mean, the dice can be a little bit frustrating, and you know, there's some other issues. You know, like the the is this the most attractive pandemic? Probably not. You know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but in terms of like giving me something different that I really enjoyed as a big pandemic fan, I'm a, again I'm a big pandemic fan, and I'm not you know I didn't like Cthulhu. Uh so I don't love every every single thing in the line, but this gave me enough different stuff uh with the troop movement and everything going on that I this is a keeper for me, man. I I'm really digging it.
0: Yeah, so my final thoughts are gonna be kind of similar to your own that I loved it the first time I played it and this is a keeper for me as well. I'm really happy I got it and it's not gonna leave my collection. I love the historical themes. I tend to like games with some little bit of history in them. And this one, while it's not a war game like you say um at all but it has that you know hint of war theme in there and with some really interesting strategic elements yeah big sell on me i i'm a big fan
1: all right so that was pandemic rise of rome i'm in for the next one i wonder i have to look up where the next uh, pandemic is and, and figure out what kind of game that's going to be <laughs> sounds good <laughs>
0: So yeah, if you like Pandemic, you want something a little bit more, maybe, I don't know, I feel like there's a little more strategy or strategic point in this one. Yes.
1: Maybe a little bit. This is, yeah, so. this is not a game to give to your new Pandemic fan. Like, I mean, this is for a little bit of an advanced gamer because of the choke point issue and everything. So it's not right. your entry level Pandemic, but it's, it's definitely worth a look. I'm... I'm if you're a Pandemic fan, you know, I had some people that were like, oh, boring. Like uh, Anthony over at uh, Board Game Miss Anonymous, we will do our review on, of that one over there. He was not impressed. <laughs> he just, he just <laughs> thought it was like really like he didn't like the dice. The pandemic is kind of worn on him in general. So that, this will not turn that person on. But if you are a fan, oh, baby.
0: I will say, too, uh, I know a lot of people will be hesitant with the dice in there. And rightfully so. Dice can be implemented poorly. But I don't think this is one of those games that did. I think it did fine, a fine job with the dice. So I wouldn't necessarily toss it out if you don't like dice in your games. So that's going to wrap up our episode. If you have any news or upcoming games you'd like to discuss with us, send us, shoot us an email at shop at gmail.com. Um, and thanks, Jason, for joining us on this podcast. Always fun having you. And where can people find you?
1: You can find me over at Every Night is Game Night. Uh, we are chugging along uh, episode 120 or so-ish. Uh, a lot of episodes mostly focused on the solo side, but we have co-op, we have thematic games, we have strategy games, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of, like, very games tuned to our particular um, I We just finished a couple episodes that I'm really, really proud of because not only do we cover games, we have very interesting discussions, I think. Uh, we talked about games with non-traditional themes with some folks. Uh, we had you know, a couple designers, including designer Spirit Island and Winx Band, a couple of hot games. Uh, and we talked about inclusion, we talked about cultural appropriation, you know, really like trying to shed more light than heat uh, you know, so please go ahead and tune in for some very, very interesting stuff uh and you know we have reviews and we do all of our good stuff too, so that um you know and you know Steve and Mike and um Peter are always good enough to bring me on. I feel like Coop cast is a home for me as well, so thank you very much, Steve.
0: Always welcome, and I will agree he's, he's one of the pockets I always listen to. Big fan, and they, you guys are machines. They put on content left and right, so <laughs> you'll be no shortage of content from those those guys. Thanks, buddy. So, yeah, so join us next week when Mike and Peter review a game, and we'll see you at the next stop. Later, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-op Cast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One
1: Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Wait a minute. Top five? What? I was supposed to do oh, a top five.
0: Did I not? Oh, you just want to do a number review? I'm kidding.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like did I not tell you? I'm sorry. It's it's funny when I do it to the other guys because they they like have it's their thing and they're like, uh, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I have five things. I want co-op cast. <laughs>